0: Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, and I'm founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weins, senior pastor of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alumni, which means we've spent a lot of time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders.
1: Well, here we are, season two of Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. Life Together in Christ, Cultivating Communities for Spiritual Transformation. This episode, Ruth, is called Gathering on the Basis of Shared Desire. So catch us up on where we are in the story.
0: Well, so now the two disciples are in a conversation with Jesus, and they've welcomed him into it. He has played dumb a couple times (laughs) so that they could tell their own story. And in the telling of the story, they were not able to just Talk about the facts of the story, but as Jesus allowed them to talk, they were able to drop down to that deeper place where they make this statement But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped that he was the Messiah. And that's the deepest place of their sharing, I believe, where they share the fact that they had hoped and now their hopes were dashed and they did not know what was next for them. And when we can drop down beneath the facts of the story and be really honest about how the events of our lives have affected us at the level of hope and faith and, you know, our spirituality, then we're really in the conversation. So now they are, you know, now they're deep into the conversation with Jesus and it's beautiful to see it unfold. And of course, it's thrilling to see that it unfolded because Jesus was able to leave the space open for them to get there in the telling of their story.
1: And I love where you're taking us here because, because we read it like a story in a book that has a beginning and an end that we can get to as soon as we want Mm -hmm. to, we tend to miss those little places of, right. But But we we had had hope that, that, that they really, their hopes Mm -hmm. really were dashed. And in this moment, they had no idea what was coming next. They didn't know if he had risen again. They, they didn't know and they were filled with this, Anguish. Yeah.
0: And it's it's worthy of note, too, that they got there pretty quickly with Jesus. Yeah. I mean, that's a very deep, personal, intimate thing to say. And he's the stranger who joined them on the road. But, you know, they got there. And I think part of it was the safety that Jesus had created for that kind of conversation.
1: Mm, Good noticing. So this word desire, Mm -hmm. shared desire, and you wrote a lot about it in this chapter in your book. But for leaders, for many of us, Mm -hmm. desire is kind of a bad word. So talk more about what you mean.
0: Right. Well, I think we assume that desire, if we pay attention to it, is going to lead us down a road we ought not go. It's going to lead us into sin. There's this worm theology that has been really prevalent for some of us in conservative religious environments who have been raised in that environment. And in fact, there were even hymns. I remember a phrase, you know, for such a wretch as I, you know, and so um, the scriptures do talk in places about the fact that the human heart is deceitful above all things. And I think some of us have just glommed on to that and feel very frightened of what's true within us and we feel in particular frightened of desire and passion. But I think that the scriptures have another message to give us as well where scriptures talk about the fact that there are spiritual desires that are placed within us by God himself that we can know and touch. And if we live our lives in response to those desires, we're actually on a deeply um, meaningful spiritual journey. But it is hard to get beyond the fears and the concerns and the teachings that we've had about how awful we are at the core. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we tend to think we it, it all starts with that. That's versus, right. Versus, yeah, right. That that comes and that mm-hmm. has come, but it didn't start with that. Right. And uh so could you help uh, me as a leader go on a journey where I start to get in touch with what I really desire? Because mm-hmm. there are layers to that, isn't yeah. there? I mean you don't get there right away.
0: Right. Well I think there are a couple of biblical stories that really help us with this. The story of blind Bartimaeus, where he gets in touch with his desire enough so that he can cry out like loudly and with yeah. rawness and humanity, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And Jesus engages him with the question, what do you want me to do for you? And he does that many times in the New Testament. Jesus will ask people to clarify their spiritual desire. What do you want me to do for you? Yeah. So I think to be in touch with what's, with what's deepest within us that we can actually be aware of right now. I think there are often desires that are deeper than mm-hmm. that. But to start with what you are aware of and just trust that if you pull on that thread, it's going to lead you deeper and deeper. So the issue of desire is often like an onion, that you have to peel back the layers. And you have to start with what you can perceive, what you do know of your desire, even if it's the desire for the red convertible, you know? You know, (laughs) start there and pull on the thread, you know? Because there's probably something that's a little bit more authentic under that and then something more authentic under that. So you have to be brave enough to start with what you can feel. And of course, that's uncomfortable because... At the surface, many of us have desires that feel a whole lot less than stellar. Like, you know, well, that's not a good desire. I don't even want to acknowledge that I have that desire, you know, that I want to be the pastor of a huge church. I don't want to name that desire. I want to have the best-selling book. I don't want to, you know, I want to, you know, pretend that I'm more altruistic than that and more humble than that, you know. So it's uncomfortable to start with what you can actually perceive and then to believe that there's something truer and more authentic under that.
1: And this is where, again... Practices like the examen that mm-hmm. we've talked about, I think almost every yes. episode of right. the season so far, really help. Yes, uh, they help me to again because you can see, mm-hmm. you can see the, the areas of your day where you came alive and where you got drained. Uh, and I think another uh, we've talked about spiritual direction, but spiritual directors can help. Yes, uh, ask good questions. Mm-hmm. Mine just asked me one the other day, yeah. and I won't say what the, what the subject matter mm-hmm. was. But he heard me say, I I, I feel so embarrassed even mm. saying this. Yeah. Because
0: mm-hmm.
1: he was asking me, well, right. what's, what do you want? Right. Like, what? And I, well, I, okay. Mm-hmm. But then he just gently yeah. kept pulling at the thread. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, I would underline and I would thank you for saying, name the red mm-hmm. Ferrari. Yeah. It, 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 it will right. lead you somewhere. Right.
0: Exactly. Because it could be something like a, a desire for adventure. Yeah. You know, like, um, or a desire to feel free. Yeah. Or a desire to have attention by driving a red Ferrari and to appear to be somebody, you know? All those things. Those are really important desires, though. And if we are not acknowledging those desires, they are going to be dynamics underneath the surface driving our lives anyway. Yeah. So we actually become safer with ourselves and safer with others if we can actually acknowledge the real desires and deal with them as they really are and then see what's authentic underneath.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful. So how would you help? uh, This is another leader question. They won't all be leader questions, but how would you help leaders lead their communities in helping to name their desires?
0: Well, I think the, the process of naming one's own desires and really modeling that for others would be the absolute first thing. I think the teachings from the scriptures that actually show that Jesus cared about this question. So the story of Blind Bartimaeus to unpack that. In a congregational setting, the story where James and John and their mother came and and with a great deal of ambition yeah. said, you know, we want you to give these two men positions of prominence on your right and on your left. Well, the selfish ambition is just sort of hanging out there, but it gave Jesus a chance to really deal with them in a re- very realistic way and say, Do you even know what you're asking? Do you realize right. that what that's going to mean in the short term? um and then of course the man at the pool of bethesda who was an invalid and had been for a long time and jesus marches right up to him and says how bad do you want it you really want to be made well um so just even teaching out some of those stories and demonstrating in the scriptures that desire is a place that jesus wants to go with us in conversation that can be really helpful too and then You know, when we talked in the last episode about how to create groups and conversations where we receive one another rather than judging and fixing and evaluating and all that, you can't really ask someone to go to that place of talking about desire if you haven't cultivated a way of being in conversation where that's a safe thing to do. Do not tell people to talk about their desire if you have not cultivated a congregation or small group experiences where people actually know how to be with that stuff. Because when you get to talking about your real desires, you're getting to the most tender, vulnerable place. And like in the story with the man or the blind man um, on the road to Jericho, the people around him didn't know how to be with that. They were actually quite embarrassed about it. They actually tried to silence him and make him feel ashamed. And that can happen if we don't teach and help people to learn how to be with each other in these tender, vulnerable places. Because when we start to name desire, we're naming a place that we haven't been able to accomplish what we want on our own. So there's a feeling of impotence in that place. There's a feeling of vulnerability. And you can't, guide people to say those sorts of things and open those kinds of things up if the group itself is not safe to receive it
1: I agree and I love that you brought up that beautiful passage where the two disciples actually his their their mother asks Jesus to sit and I love that that's included in the scriptures mm-hmm. because uh, and as teachers I think don't don't go right away to see mm-hmm. that was the wrong desire yeah say isn't that fascinating mm-hmm. that that's in, that seemingly meaningless story right. is included in the scriptures. That's
0: right. And what I encourage people to reflect on in the context of the, that story, I mean, there's two. There's one where the mother asks it, and then there's one where James and John themselves march into Jesus' presence and say, we want you to do whatever we you know, whatever we ask. The most presumptuous thing you could imagine saying. And um, I like to encourage people to reflect on what might be... What might be the authentic desire under that? Because I've wondered if those disciples had a sense that Jesus was going to come into his glory and the the deeper desire was, don't leave us out. We've been so close. We've walked together so closely. Is there going to be a place for us? Are we still going to be close to you when you come into your kingdom? So I think there was a more authentic desire under that. They just didn't know how to get in touch with it and how to state it in a truer way, you know?
1: Yes. I even think about, let's go back to the Hebrew scriptures. Moses, he's overwhelmed. He's leading these people. Mm-hmm. He, he he goes to Jethro, his father-in-law. Oh, my gosh. Like, I don't know what to do. Um, he tells God, kill me now if, if, if I'm supposed to lead these people. But I think, like, if a spiritual director, which Jethro sort of was, mm-hmm. were, were to ask Moses, like, what's underneath? What, what, what do you want? Mm-hmm. I think Moses might have said something like, I, I want more time with mm-hmm. God. I'm 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 mm-hmm. so burdened mm-hmm. by the administration of this community, yeah. and, and then Jethro, okay, well let's mm-hmm. let's let's yeah. organize right. uh, some structure so that you can mm-hmm. do that.
0: Yeah, and is sometimes I think because of the activistic nature of the religious subculture right now, especially Protestant, um, I think pastors even wonder if it's okay to want God more. <sighs> is it okay for me to want more of God rather than more ministry activity? And how will my people respond if I say, I want more of God, I want more time in solitude, I I need a bit more time for pulling back, I'm missing God in the context of my life and ministry. We wonder, is that okay? Am I even allowed to say that? Did they, if they hired me to take us up and to the right and to make us bigger and better and more, and they want all the programming and stuff like that, if they hear me talk about this, will they just fire me and say, this is not the guy, this is not the girl, you know, the gal we wanted, yeah. you know? So it's very risky. And I think, I think it's really hard even now for leaders to own the fact that they want more of God than what they've been experiencing in the context of a busy life in ministry. And they even wonder, am I allowed to want it? Or am I just being a wimp? Right. You know? I'm not an achiever. You know, yeah. I'm not an achiever. And maybe maybe somebody's going to question my capacity if I bring this up in this very judgmental, evaluative milieu that we've created for ourselves.
1: Which I think now we're getting to the heartbeat of why mm-hmm. you started the Transforming Center. Right. <clears throat> because every leader gets to the point, I think, where every pastor, mm-hmm. where it is too hard yeah. and where I have lost God. That's right. And where I, I started. I didn't mm-hmm. start this way. Right. And I don't know how I got here, mm-hmm. but I am so hungry right. for God.
0: And I don't know how to get out without losing my job. Right. You know? And where is the safe place for me to say these things where people aren't evaluating me and judging me about my capacity? Where can I say these things right. and have it be received and held?
1: Just just an encouragement. If you're listening to this and you're, let's say, on the board of a church or a nonprofit, and you're noticing that the leader of the nonprofit or church or whatever is on this Mm -hmm. road, ask them, ask her, ask him some questions about desire. I think that would be a really big gift. Right. Um, Let's talk about losing hope mm-hmm. because i think sometimes we think about desire and and we do we think the red ferrari or we think the but just like i just said the woman you, in the
0: sexy red dress yeah or <laughs> yeah, all the yeah. things
1: when we've lost hope that can be big and flaming out like a huge uh, destructive crash or it can just be you know you've you've noticed that the garden has dried up mm-hmm. Um, talk about the dynamics of losing hope. How do I know that I've come to a place um, or I'm going to a place mm-hmm. where I'm where I'm losing hope and I'm disappointed? And how yeah. do I name that?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think there can begin to be cynicism, you know, uh, and uh, a flatness like you go through the motions of ministry, but you don't feel anything anymore. No one else knows it because you, you know, if you're a leader and you're used to being in front of people, you know how to put it on for everyone else, but you know that there's a, a cynicism, you know that there's a flatness in your emotional life, um, you know that you go through the motions, but you don't feel what you used to feel. Yeah. In ministry, you've lost connection with the human condition. I have recently read a person define compassion fatigue as becoming almost derisive and cynical about the human condition. That when you've been in the midst of human need too much, you almost shut down emotionally and you start to protect yourself by just feeling derisive and cynical about the human condition and all that we go through as human beings. Um, So there can be a spiritual lethargy, you know, where we're not seeking God with any sort of passion anymore. because. We're disappointed at the whole thing that God has led us into. Yeah. And so sometimes we don't even know how to talk to God about that. We don't even know what will happen if we do. Yes. Acknowledge to God how deep our disillusionment and hopelessness goes. And the fact that we're out there preaching a message of hope and we, we are not experiencing the message of hope or the reality of hope in our own lives and that's really scary especially for a pastor whose whole life really depends on being connected to that message and presenting that message in compelling ways yeah i mean it it could take you on a journey that is quite unpredictable and risky so it's it's hard it's a hard thing to acknowledge because we don't know where that kind of acknowledgement will take us
1: yes and now we're back to liminal space Mm -hmm, right um so let's I want to turn the corner a bit and remember, so we're talking about spiritual communities, Mm -hmm. Christian communities. And let's say I'm in a little group with someone, and let's say someone names their Mm -hmm. desire, and I notice I feel threatened by that. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to shut that down because it doesn't feel safe to Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. How how do I listen well? How do I... Um, how do I pay attention to the dynamics that are happening inside mm-hmm. of myself while I'm also trying to be a good human being yeah. to the person that's just named something so tender?
0: Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about what might feel threatening to you? Oh. In a gosh. moment so that I can I'd like to address it a little bit more specifically than just in the in a general sense.
1: Yes. So, um I'm a pastor mm-hmm. and one of the people that work on the mm-hmm. staff. Mm-hmm. Start to talk about this direction that they feel like their life is heading, yes. and it's yes. exciting. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's probably not going to be connected yes. to where it's going to be a loss yeah, for yeah, you. It's going to be a loss. Yeah. They're they're mm-hmm. gonna. And mm-hmm. and I so I was an associate for mm-hmm. so many years, and I said so yeah. many of those things like, "Hey, I think I should do this," yeah. or not having any, any clue, clue what it would feel
0: like on the other side of that equation. The senior leader yeah. is sitting
1: there going, "Oh, <laughs> oh no," you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, So in that context, Mm -hmm. your staff person, your whatever is, and you can, okay, I've seen this happen before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I, I, I know where this is going. Six months from now, Mm -hmm. I I know what kind of conversation we're going to have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think we have to drop down to the place of deepest trust in God for ourselves and for them and for the whole thing that we're involved in. And that is that is a spiritual maturity right there, that you have to have walked a path with God to have that kind of trust where, on the one hand, you can acknowledge that this will be a loss, but on the other hand, the deeper reality is... But we're still in God. God's got his hand on that person. God cares about me in this situation. God must have something good for all of us in this. So you really have to drop down to a very deep place of trust. And I think that the only way we even have that place to drop into is because of the depth of the spiritual journey that we've been cultivating up until that time where we have experienced that the goodness of God is mysterious and it often transcends our own ideas about what might be good and best. That God's ways are not our ways, yeah, yeah. Um, but they are good. yeah. And we'll discover that goodness as we remain open. I, I sometimes even in moments like this, I'll tell you, Steve, this is a technique, but this is what I do. Yeah. I literally try to uncross my legs and open my hands. and breathe yeah. just so that i can open up open up rather than holding myself tight and even in my body acting like I'm afraid and tense. And it helps me. You know, like even if my soul is still clutching a little bit, the action of uncrossing my legs and opening my hands on my lap and breathing deeply, that has become such a way of opening to God for me that it actually can carry my soul along into a more open place where I'm not feeling quite so threatened and where I'm not clinging and grasping and almost, you know, gasping with fear, you know. Yes.
1: Well, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And I think techniques, our our souls, our minds, our bodies are so connected. Mm -hmm. They're way more connected than we think. So having a a concrete technique like that is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, In my sermon last Sunday, I was teaching on something that was quite tender Mm -hmm. to me and also quite, um, uh, conflictual. Mm -hmm. Like I, I I could tell people Mm -hmm. were going to, either get mm-hmm. mad or receive. Yeah. And I noticed, I was sitting on a stool, yeah. I was can crossing- You could notice people, yeah. no, I was, Oh, you were and, doing yeah. it, wow. And, and, and I noticed it out loud, I, yeah. I, I went, oh, my goodness, i mm-hmm. <laughs> crossing yeah. my arms. Yeah. And I opened up, yes. you know, and then people yeah. kind of chuckled. Yeah. But in that moment, yeah. it was what you just described. Like, right. hey, let's just acknowledge that there's right. tension. Your
0: body was telling you how stressed you were. <laughs> yeah. You didn't even realize it until you noticed your yeah. body. And then there was something you could do in your body to start to release the tension. I was even noticing where you had your arms. You were, you were protecting yeah. yourself. That kind of crossing is I'm protecting myself, you know,
1: and that from is what a, might come. As I was talking to mm-hmm. some people that I love, I mean, I, you know, but – and I, I, I said that. I said, mm. oh, my goodness. I think I was protective yeah. of myself. Mm-hmm. Right. I was covering mm-hmm. my vitals. Yes, that's exactly my, my heart, right. My that's soul, right. That's right. That's right. Your
0: guts. <laughs> you don't want to be kicked in the gut, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so,
1: so I think, thank you for that. Yeah. I, I think that's just opening up. Remembering mm-hmm. that God is good, mm-hmm. remembering also that I don't have to know how this right. is all going to turn out. That's right. Out. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have. God doesn't need to tell me, right. hey, it's all going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need to say, okay, I'm disappointed mm-hmm. at the probability mm-hmm. of this person leaving. Yeah. Um, it, it, it. I'm also selfishly mm-hmm. mad because yeah. look how much I've given them, and you know right. all that yes, stuff. Exactly. Like you go down that mm-hmm. road, and I think even that naming, mm-hmm. naming, those. I had hoped,
0: right, that it was going to be different, that, that we different. were going to be together for the long term, and you know,
1: but it isn't, or yeah. it might not be. So, open up, yeah, breathe. Don't have all the answers, mm-hmm. and trust. trust and
0: trust. Drop into that place of trust,
1: yeah, yeah. And I think about Moses uh, at the end of his life, not having gone into the promised land, but as you write about so well in your book, strengthening the soul of your leadership. How he experiences a different kind of promised Mm -hmm. land where, you know, it's like two old people rocking Mm -hmm. on the porch. You know, at the end of it all, this is what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And we'll have done it all together and we'll end together. And you don't know how anything else is going to go except for this. Yeah, We're Mm going to be in this. Me and God, we're going to be in this together. So good. Yeah. Uh, How do we help people start to discern? Can we get a little bit more? And even with mm-hmm. some techniques, how do we get help people peel the onion mm-hmm. about desire?
0: Well, the question, what do you really want? And, and not just stopping with the first answer. Um, so I, too, remember being with my spiritual director a long time ago uh, when I was first learning how significant this was in the spiritual life. And I was struggling with a book I was writing, and I was really frustrated. And at one point she said, what would you be doing if you weren't writing this book? And I mentioned, you know, I'd be spending more time with my family. I'd be doing this and that. Well, and what else? What what else would you be doing if you weren't writing this book? And she just kept asking me the question until finally I was literally a puddle on the floor, weeping, saying, I just want to be with God. I just want to be with God. And, and there we were. We finally got there. But I had to she had to help me peel back and talk about many other desires before I got to the rock bottom one. And then, of course, when you get to the rock bottom one, then you can talk about, well, how are you going to arrange your life? How are you going to order your life for what you say you really want? That's yeah. that's where you go then. Um, and that's the most hopeful thing, that it's even possible that we could be in touch with desire and then begin to arrange our lives for what we really want, rather than just being pushed and pulled by whatever it is that's pushing and pulling us, our inner compulsions, our ego-driven desires, other people's expectations. There's a lot that pushes and pulls. And I think that's another reason why it's so hard to get in touch with our own desire, because all those things scream louder than the more tender, truer spiritual desires that God has placed within us.
1: And we tend to think there's going to be all these bad Mm -hmm. desires that we can name, Mm -hmm. and obviously, well, that's not from Mm -hmm. God. And then there's the one pure desire. But it's typically not. I mean, there's like Mm -hmm. three or four really pretty good-looking mm-hmm. desires yeah. like, that aren't completely selfish and aren't, right. they all look like they could be. Right. And depending
0: on how self-aware we are, we can make them seem very, yeah. very pure as well when yeah. there might be other stuff in there that's that's even not conscious for
1: us yet. Right. You, you know? were writing a book mm-hmm. that was going to help people yeah. connect with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, what could be more right. spiritual yeah. and good mm-hmm. and, than that? But yeah. and, it, and it wasn't bad, but you were it wasn't the true
0: it wasn't the truest desire and actually the grief of it all was that the the pressing and the striving on that book was keeping me from what i really wanted and that's probably was part of the problem
1: at the time so can i ask you when you're sitting with someone and they're a puddle on the Mm -hmm. floor and they finally name i just Mm want to be with god um how do you help them discover that that's the desire versus you know there you go. Like, like I can see there's a judgment mm-hmm. that a leader could give. Mm-hmm. Now you've named it, mm-hmm. you know, or, and, or do you do that or do you help? Or do you kind of just sit back and wait and sort of wait for them to go? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm asking? Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, do we name it for people? Do we let them name it? Is it a discernment in that moment?
0: Well, in a moment that's that clear, I think you need to let the person just be with, what they've just hit, yeah. you know, they've, they've just hit the bottom in the best way possible. Yeah. They've just hit what's solid. Um, what's the bedrock for them. Yeah. And you need to let them be with that for a while and not, not, you know, intrude on the moment right. with your own applications Judgment. and things like that. I mean, even, even the, the question of how can, how can one arrange one's life, For what they really want, that that you gotta wait even in that one, you can't just put that out there because that's overwhelming. You know, you gotta let the person own it, own the desire first, and really know how true it is, and then eventually, you can start um, thinking and thinking with them and being curious and wondering, well, how might how might you order your life for that or begin that process? Because most of us can't change our lives on a dime, but there's a process that we can begin. The other thing that's powerful about having named the desire with someone else is that. There will be other times and other conversations when different things will come up. And one of the ways that you can serve that person is to bring them back. Well, remember when, you know, you you were able to express so clearly what your desire was? How does that desire apply to this decision that you're making? Or how could you make this decision in such a way that you're living true to your desire? Or what choice would allow for you to live more, you know, consistently with your desire? So there's lots of places you can go with that. But still, it needs to be very paced, I would say.
1: Yeah. Um one of the stories you wrote about in this chapter was this guy, Brett. Mm-hmm. He's 35 yeah. years old. He uh was in a job where he was mm-hmm. making money, but he really what he really wanted was to spend more time mm-hmm. with his kids. And so then inevitably he gets the promotion mm-hmm. offer. Yeah. And then his friends, because they had been walking with him mm-hmm. through his desires, and this is what's important, uh, I loved how you wrote it, they don't say, Well, you you know Mm -hmm. they said oh let's let's okay so last time you were with us you were talking Mm -hmm. about wanting to spend more Mm -hmm. time with your kids so
0: how will this allow that or not or not and then you know what you're what you're doing as a group of spiritual companions there is very different than what most other voices might say so the ego voice or the life coach or the career coach is going to say yeah take it you got to take it i mean this is the next step in your career so a career coach is going to have one answer right um A wife might have another answer if she's like, well, wow, that's a lot more money. And we really, I want, I want the new house or whatever. She may or may not, you know, um, there are a number of things that could happen in conversations with others, but your spiritual companions, your companions on the Emmaus road are going to say, but we've heard you talk so clearly and compellingly about your desire to be present with your kids and not to miss this season of their lives uh, by being gone, you know, how does that come to bear on this decision? How can you continue to live in to your truest desires? That's brave stuff right there too. Yeah. And it takes, it, it takes the kinds of conversations that we've been talking about for that group to even have that information to, to offer it in a helpful way in that moment.
1: So I think um, just as this episode is wrapping up, um, it's so important when you're walking the journey with Christian community even at the point where it might seem obvious to you as you're listening, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what they should do. It's still, this is not your choice. Right. And it's not your, you don't tell them what you think Mm -hmm. they should do. You just keep asking questions. Right. And keep reminding Mm -hmm. them about what they've named, Mm -hmm. what desire they've named, what hopes they've had. Mm -hmm. And then you freely let them make their decision. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And in that way, it's light.
0: It is. You're not taking in. You're not taking responsibility for them and their decision making at all. The discernment still always resides mm-hmm. with the person who has to make the real decision. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that is freeing.
1: Well, I love the uh, prayer that you end this chapter with um, from Psalm 37. Would mm-hmm. you lead us through that?
0: I will. Yeah. So Psalm 37 is the psalm where um, the psalmist says. Trust in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, which implies that there are desires of the heart that God has placed there and that God wants us to be able to live into. O God, you alone know the depths of each human heart. Grant us the grace to know our heart's truest desire. Grant that we may take delight in you, O Lord. Trust you with all our hearts as we hold our desires openly in your presence and in each other's presence. Grant us the courage to cry out to you. Grant us the faith to be still and know that you are God, that we might wait patiently for you to act in our own lives and in each other's lives. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts out there and we're grateful that you've spent the last 30 minutes with us. Thanks Steve for such great questions and for taking that step of faith to join a transforming community so long ago in 2011. If you're a pastor or a leader who would like to connect your soul with your leadership, please do consider this an invitation to learn more about the transforming community, a two-year experience of spiritual formation for leaders. Our experience is grounded in scripture, it is animated by a Trinitarian approach to transformation and community, and it's informed by the richness and diversity of our Christian heritage. If you'd like to learn more, do visit us at transformingcenter.org.